Support for Speaking of Travel comes from Asheville Regional Airport, Western North Carolina's gateway to the world. Your safety when traveling to and from Asheville is and always will be our top priority. Visit flyavl.com for all your current travel information. Prestige Subaru, offering a variety of new and pre-owned all-wheel drive Subarus, built with the zero landfill promise. All waste is recycled or reused with more at PrestigeSubaru.com. Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours, an award-winning tour showcasing Asheville's spectacular rooftop views and fascinating city history. Enjoy handcrafted drinks and delicious food with reserved seating and transportation included. Visit AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com and by RomanticAsheville.com. Create your perfect vacation in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Plan your next getaway to Asheville and the North Carolina Blue Ridge Mountains by visiting RomanticAsheville.com. Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball. Welcome to Speaking of Travel right here on iHeartRadio 570 WWNC. And remember, you can always listen to this episode of Speaking of Travel or any past episode with a simple click on the Speaking of Travel website, that's speakingoftravel.net, and on all your favorite podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app, Buzzsprout, Pandora, and Amazon. And be sure when you visit speakingoftravel.net to sign up for the Travel Club. You'll receive travel news, helpful tips, and links to stories from people who embrace inclusiveness and kindness. My guest today caught my ear when I was out in La Jolla, California, and randomly sat down next to her and her husband at this beautiful outdoor restaurant at sunset overlooking the Pacific Ocean. She began telling us that the way people think of the world is influenced directly by the language we use to talk about it. So here's Jennifer Ball, this Chinese-speaking, magenta-haired, book-writing, French horn-playing, rock-and-roll singer who focuses on inclusive language. Well, she had me when she threw down real finger puppets on our table, and I've been a huge fan ever since. And Jennifer, thank you so much for being here on Speaking of Travel. Oh, you're so welcome. That I'm was glad a fun you night. The puppet. That's right. Well, that goes back to your finger puppet band, which we're going to talk about. And I'll tell you what, you really, uh, you've just had such a wonderful, wonderful life. And I can't wait to dive down and, and find out more. But let's start with just a little backstory, Jennifer. Give us a, an idea of what it was like for you. Did you grow up traveling? I did. I did. My family were, my, my dad and mother were both teachers. My dad was an economics teacher and my mother taught psychology. So I lived a lot of my life in theory, but we would travel in the summers because they were free in the summers. And so we went, my mother would had a map where she would route you know, with a felt pen where we had gone, draw the route we had gone on. And um, it was uh, three months sometimes in a travel trailer. I went to Europe for the first time when I was five 
for three months and we actually got all our luggage stolen, but it was still quite an experience. Um, so I love travel. I love to be in other places. I lived in China for two years and I realized that if I started to learn Chinese, somehow I would get to China and I ended up teaching 453 students in China in Suzhou University, uh, which was an incredible experience. I got a translator who is my good friend, uh, Maggie, and together we produced two novels, uh, novels that I had already published here in the United States, but translated into Chinese. And then we traveled all over China doing book tours. And also with another student, I have built the first world's first substructure search engine of Chinese characters, Han Zi. So... <laughs> well, that was a big leap from traveling with your folks in a travel in a in a what were you in a like an RV kind of thing when you were traveling? Uh, it wasn't an RV. It was an older kind of trailer, but it wasn't a silver stream. Yeah. For three months at a time, we would go. We stayed in Minneapolis for a summer. I went to summer school in Minneapolis when I was 10. Uh, I went to summer school in Chico. In fact, in Chico was the first time I remember learning Chinese, oddly enough, Chico, California. There was a, a visiting professor and he was Chinese and he showed us how the word for month came from moon. And you think about it, month and moon obviously have a relationship in English as well. And he showed us how the person is a, is a Ren, is a person. It looks like a person and that seems logical to me. And now I know that pig under a roof is home in Chinese. Well, I realized I was Chinese before I even knew it because I had a pig that lived in my kitchen for two years until we actually realized that a pig is a farm animal and really it should be outside. The kitchen is, I can tell you, I can attest is not the best place for the pig, but it wasn't until his friend. So our pig was named Sporky. And my friend, after we got Sporky, they got a pig and they called her Francis Bacon. Okay. Because, right. So, so Francis Bacon Sporky taught Francis Bacon how to root up the yard and Francis Bacon taught Sporky how to open the refrigerator because in our house, the freezer was on the bottom. So you could, it, you know, they go by smell and it was too cold to smell anything. But once Francis Bacon taught Sporky to open that freezer, I came in and he just bit that orange juice can and the orange juice is going down his face onto the floor and Francis Bacon is knocking him aside so she can lap it up. And I'm going, okay, this is not a good situation. What am I thinking? They're farm animals. Exactly. But I love the way that this connection to the language at such a young age suddenly started you being able to have more of a visual even to go from a word to to an image and it sounds like that Chinese was just what you needed to get all that kind of wrapped around your head yeah you know we moved to the Bay Area because my husband wanted to keep his soul and I thought well if he wants to keep his soul I guess it's worth keeping so we took a new job and it was really really hard we struggled a lot I would say that my son and I went through like a five-year depression, but I worked well from torture and I became a ceramicist. And what I did is I rolled out clay like you would kind of roll out cookie dough 
and I would cut out these bowls and I started putting tons of words in bowls. I had these little letters. So I started to see words as an art form. And I started to put expressions like va, 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 voom. And I thought, what does va, 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 voom mean? <laughs> we don't know, but we know it sounds fast and sexy, right? What is that V? Well, it turns out that the shape of V has meant female for six circa 6,400 years if you look at Denise Schmant Besserot's token data, and she has collected token data for 20 years and has written these incredible books. She was recognized as one of the, uh, I think it was in 2010 or something, the most influential 100 people, but very few people know this. And then there's also the Jiahu characters from the Henan province of China. And you see a very similar character there, which looks like a V shape. And in Chinese, it means eight, but it also means all sides around. And when you start to look at these shapes, there's another sort of V shape in Chinese that means private secret. And it's in the word for sexy, but it's not a good sexy. And I thought, wow, who knew there was a bad sexy? <laughs> but it turns out in Chinese, it's a character that has a V in it. Well, you go on to start recognizing that there are a lot of, well, Yes, let's let smile is considered to be a universal. Let's talk a little bit about that because there are these universals, but then I want to really get down to talking about language and how it, uh, you know, just is influenced by the way that we use the words like dark and light and white and black. You and bring up a great point. You bring up such a great point. This has been a theme with me. Once I realized that the word black in Chinese is treated exactly as it is in English, we realize that bias is at least 5,000 years old and we need to rethink the way we talk about darkness. No more the dark side, no more blackmail, no more black market. We could say extortion, we could say the mysterious side, we could say the nefarious side. In fact, my husband heard an NPR uh, commentator correct herself. So. It's time to think about the effect we have when we speak language. Well, when we come back from the break, let's dive down into that because that is it, this is what we need to be listening to, talking about, practicing all the time, starting now. And I'm so glad to have Jennifer Ball here on Speaking of Travel. Jennifer is talking to us today from San Diego, California. Is that right? Yes. Yes, San Diego. All right. Well, this is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. I'm here with Jennifer Ball. We're not related, but we could be. <laughs> we'll be right back. Asheville, North Carolina is the place to be this summer, and a rooftop bar tour tops the list of things to do. Join Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours as they share the best Asheville has to offer on a three-hour, three-rooftop bar tour experience. You'll enjoy spectacular views, sample cocktails, reserve seating, city history, including transportation, and more. Daily tours happening now. To learn more, visit AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars and let me see what spring is like on a Jupiter and Mars 
Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm here today with Jennifer Ball. As we mentioned, we're not sure if we're related or not, but who knows? We could be. Jennifer's speaking to us today from San Diego, California. It's pretty early there, but I'm looking at this beautiful blue sky. Uh, I long to get back out that way sometime, Jennifer, so we can sit and overlook the ocean again. So, Jennifer, when when we were talking about language, I want to get a little deeper into that because inclusive language, these are two words that I'm not sure a lot of people are really familiar with. So why don't you give us a little backstory on what that even means? Well, inclusive language is making people feel included. Now, we can make people feel excluded, but as my husband says, and he ran research at Genentech for 15 years. Everybody's a volunteer. Yes, you pay them, but they, especially in San Francisco, they could quit their job. And this is before COVID, he would say this, and they could get another job and not even change the exit on the freeway. And now we know they could just stay home. So you want to be nice to people. You want to treat people well. We say kindness is the new competitive edge. My husband also says you cannot humiliate people into excellence. Now, you know, people try. And sometimes humiliation seems to be a a commonality in academia. It can be a commonality in scientific companies. But the new mentality is that actually, if you treat people well, they're actually going to prosper. They're going to want to do well for you. They're going to feel loyal. So one of these ideas is to be inclusive, to think about the language that you use so that when you're talking in a meeting, you don't inadvertently say something that excludes an entire, let's say half of the population, like a word like seminal. Now we don't think about seminal as a bad word. It means original, the first, but there it is, semen right at the root. We have seminar, I have a friend who says she's only having Ovamars from now on. There is seminary, right, which is a place of learning. And so we've elevated semen, but we say, you're milking that theory. You suck. And I go, why is sucking bad if we all sucked? Because we elevate men's fluid and we devalue women's. And once we realize this bias, we can start seeing this bias everywhere not just in the sexes, but also in darkness and lightness. So we have all these phrases, blackmail, we could say extortion, uh, black market, illegal market, uh, a lot of things like white paper. Some I, I've been working with lawyers lately, which is a good thing. Don't worry, I'm not being sued or anything. But they keep saying white paper. And I'm thinking, I don't even know what a white paper is. It's an informational paper. It would be better to say informational paper. These are tough ideas, though, because people get all incensed. How dare you tell me I need to change language? First of all, I'm not telling anybody anything. I'm advising I'm suggesting, I'm just, this is why we throw puppets at drunk people. That's what we used to do in the rock band because because everybody needs a puppet. Everybody needs an alter ego so that they can express themselves and still feel like a whole person. Right now we are struggling and we need fun and all sorts of tough ideas require a lot of humor. And I played in a rock band with my husband for 36 years now we've been married for 35 years one of the songs i sing is 
I'm sorry, I don't know Chinese. Dwebuchi, what a chong win buhao. Dwebuchi, dwebuchi, wo buja downy shoshamaha. I don't know what you're saying. Dwebuchi, I'm sorry. What a chong win buhao. My Chinese is very bad. Dwebuchi, dwebuchi, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Wo hayo gani dung pung yo. It's a little low for me. I picked a low key, but I still want to be your friend. That's what that says. I love that. It brings it all together. And you know, I was reading something that uh, it was actually uh, a talk that you were that you were giving, and you were talking about how the visual spectrum has no relationship to morality. What exactly does that mean, Jennifer? Well, we constantly there is this wonderful actress. I got all these people on Cameo to do these wonderful performances for me. And Bethany Brown did this one where she says, we have this false dichotomy. We think black is associated with evil and white is associated with good. And sure, a lot of people say, well, it's because our eyes were very eye focused. So we, our eyes don't work so well in the dark. But I go, that's true. But we're also afraid of heights. But that doesn't stop us from flying. And even COVID doesn't stop us from flying. I am on the, a board member of timetorun.org. And we made this inclusive language video, which I think is very compelling. And I realized I have been researching Chinese now and ancient Egyptian, Sumerian, Latin, uh, Greek, Maya, Esperanto. I, I've looked at all these languages for these kinds of commonalities. And female mammals are very evidently their, their body parts and, and a few male body parts, but all about, you know, basically genitalia is the root of written language because there is 7.6 billion of us and we just didn't walk here. We had sex and we don't. It turns out that we have we have a focus on sex and we don't want to acknowledge that we have a focus on sex. And this is an excellent survival strategy. So I'm on the board of this organization to try to encourage young people, multicultural people, diverse people to run for office because we need young people invested in our democratic process. I was 14, I canvassed for McGovern. When I was 12, my mother and I opened the UC Davis Women's Center. They gave the women a room, but they didn't give them a key and the door was locked. It was on the first floor and a window was open. So they, I was the smallest because I was 12. They boosted me up. This was, I think, 1971. And I crawled through the window and opened the door. And I, I essentially opened a future for myself because I recognize when I was 12, women have is equal of brains to men. And I was called Miss Women's Lib. Jennifer Ball doesn't shave her legs, which wasn't true, actually. I think I had like only four hairs on my legs or something. But, you know. It's like you were ridiculed just for having a difference of opinion. When I suggested that B and V in the alphabet relate to breast and vagina, because a lot of people don't realize the original alphabet used to go A, B, V, G. You can see this in Russian. You can see this in ancient Hebrew. I think it's female mammals. I had a man yell at me, no. And this is a man who took scientist's head and put him on bodybuilder bodies and made a calendar and handed it around to the company. This is like 15 years ago. He's not there anymore. But, you know, it's like this is we've been gaslit, you know, this term gaslighting when you're basically telling it's like saying to people, Hooters is a restaurant about Al's eyes, hun. You know, it's like, come on. Hooters is not a restaurant about Al's eyes. That's a euphemism or a way one to show far. 
we have a lot of Weiwan to Shofa, we have a lot of euphemism, and we have a lot of metaphors, so we can deny the reality. Even the word fair, and it took me a year of, of just thinking about, you know, this bias in language to realize fair is not equitable. Fair references fair skin. So I no longer use the word fair. And you start to realize fairies are little white women. I mean, this bias is incredible, really. I started to realize so many things. If you really want to think about it, Santa Claus is a metaphor for a pregnant woman. He comes down the vagina of the house. He delivers the baby. He eats milk and cookies like a baby does. He's both a pregnant woman and the baby coming down the house. And right before Christmas, you say, Shh, don't go into that room. Just like, don't go into the baby's room. We have all this, and this is not my idea. Well, we thought it was our idea, Mike and I, but it turns out it's Richard Sturba, who was a contemporary of Freud, 1941. Jennifer, I just want to keep this conversation open. So when we get back from the break, let's, uh, I want to hear more about being in China. You have so many experiences in helping people, really helping people. And this is a time that we all need to be able to help people. But give us that website where we can, uh, where you're on the board, so people can get up with that. www.timetorun.org time to run a wonderful it's a wonderful organization well i just signed up to get their newsletter so i encourage anybody else to do that this is marilyn ball i'm talking to jennifer ball we could be moms from another mother i don't know but you know sisters whatever we will be right back this is marilyn ball It's summertime in Subieville, which means it's time for adventure here in western North Carolina. Or more aptly, time to get outdoors and outgoing down a road less traveled. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. And off the beaten path, nothing says tough like the tried and true reliability of an all-wheel drive Subaru. There's a reason why 97% of Subarus sold in the last 10 years are still on the road today and ready for the next adventure. Discover the beauty of all-wheel drive at Prestige Subaru, 585 Tunnel Road, Nashville, or visit us online at PrestigeSubaru.com. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm here with Jennifer Ball, and Jennifer is talking to us from San Diego, and... Jennifer, I just want to talk a little bit, just for a second here, about your uh, band, the Finger Puppets, because we've brought Finger Puppets up a couple of times, and they are really just such a nice way, like you said, to demonstrate kindness. So how did that first even get started for you? We were in a rock band in the Bay Area. We have been in a variety of rock bands. We were in the Free Range Chickens for 14 years in San Diego. Milton the Caviars in L.A., uh, the Bondells in New York City, the Fluids also in San Diego. And so we moved to the Bay Area and we were in a band and I think the name was Sinnoh's Gone Wild. And I got tired of explaining that that's a lab monkey. So somehow we bantered around names and one of the band members came up with finger puppets. And you go, we're all just finger puppets, right? In the cog of business and so that just really resonated. And it turns out that Ikea had finger puppets at that time that you could buy for fairly cheaply. And so one of the band members' wives went and I think it was the drummer's wife, 
went and just bought all these finger puppets for us. And then it was just so obvious when people are making little movies with finger puppets, that just is a great idea. So we were the finger puppets for at least 13 years, I'd say before COVID. And we had our last two gigs canceled. And then we moved down to San Diego because my husband retired and our drummer moved back to Denmark, who was just this phenomenal drummer and uh, eventually we will get together with the drummer of the free range chickens in san diego because he's a phenomenal drummer uh, but you know COVID is a hard time it is <laughs> so, so you have a lot it's hard of, to fling anything <laughs> exactly you have a lot of overlapping here with the music and the travel and the language and the teaching you know it's it's like all of these things are helping People have fun. People learn things. My husband says that I feel like I'm responsible for the happiness of the world. And I say, if I'm not going to do it, who is? So in that regard, I think a lot about survival. And when I was in China, I was really happy. I gave away 600 free helmets to Chinese college students because at that time, nobody had to wear a helmet. And when you watch people whiz around, you think it's bad here. It's insane in China. Although traffic patterns are very different. In China, you turn left first. And sometimes this freaks people out. And I go, that's their way. They turn left first. So, you know, once you get used to that concept, you can accept a lot. But they are used to a lot more, you know, cows on the street sometimes or one or two wheeled vehicles or three wheeled vehicles. Uh, there's a lot of variety. So helmets make everybody safer. And since I started giving helmets away recently, China made it mandatory that everybody has to wear helmets. Another thing I did is at Suzhou University, there was no hot water, no soap and no paper of any kind, toilet paper or paper towels in the bathroom. And at that time was the bird flu. And so I felt that it was important that we are hygienic. And I was taking my students on field trips to the bathroom. They had never been to the bathroom before. I had printed out signs in English and Chinese. I went to the Costco of China and I bought all this, you know, antibacterial soap. And they just loved it. I got to tell you, they've never been on a field trip. And now we're going to the bathroom. So we went to like in one building, there could be six to 12 bathrooms and we put up signs saying no smoking because even though they're not supposed to smoke in the building they would smoke and i think you know i would say look you can cause cancer to yourself but you can't make everybody else have cancer i lived in uh shanghai shek's old home because it was now a government hotel and it was absolutely beautiful but because they wouldn't control the smoking there i then moved to the pan pacific which was equally beautiful and i had a two balconies overlooking the gardens there. Uh, it was incredible. I really love China. It sounds like China loved you too. And that yeah. you've had just this connection with, with China and the Chinese people for so long. And I want to ask you about that. Because as you're talking about language, and you're really getting into a, a deeper and deeper uh, knowledge of how to use inclusive language, did you find that that the Chinese language really was the impetus, if you will, for you to kind of really start looking at how language is, is used and formed as you moved along? 
I actually started with ancient Egyptian. Well, first with, with our son, I did Greek and Latin because Latin was going to help him pass those tests. And I would start with just unit, simple words, one, mono, unisolo, prime, single, one. So we don't even realize mana, mono, monopoly, I talked about this, una, uniform, unicorn, right? One horn. Uh, we don't realize uniform, everybody wears the same outfit. Um, university, universe. And then there's prime, primary, primitive, uh, single, uh, even a signal, even uh, it, some of them have more than others. But let's look at Saul. Saul, there's only one sun in the sky. So we have solitude, soliloquy, uh, solo, even solid. Solid is like a solo id, id being id, it. And Chinese actually has an id, it character. Their character for child is also their character for it. And we have a very close association. Freud had the id, the ego, and the superego. The id was the child. And we have it. And you see this, you can see the word idiot in Sumerian. So after I did Latin and, and looked at Latin and Greek and a lot of Hebrew, a lot of Hebrew, like one weekend, and then I printed out a stack of Hebrew after realizing Milka gave eight children to her uncle in the Bible because that was a close relationship you had with your uncle. And Milka means queen. And you go, Milka, milk. It's all about milk. It's all about mammals. We have mammaries. Our mammaries have milk. The only way we have milk is if we're a mama. So it's all about the mama. But we haven't recognized this. As my husband says, a pregnant female is the great limiting step to a civilization. A dynasty is a dynasty. And you look at it. What does a farm and a harem have in common? I asked this in Chinese. I'm, I'm, now I'm speaking Chinese and nobody's understanding me. I'm not even speaking good Chinese. But what does a farm and a harem have in common? One male, many females. They are breeding prisons. And we have not realized this. You know, and look at religions like Mormonism. In some ways, they were smart. One man, many women. That's how if you want to develop. I mean, I'm not saying they're smart. Don't don't miss understand me i am not for that at all but if you want to increase your numbers that is the logical way to do it and we find evidence we see the the letter b a doppelganger of b in the word for milk in chinese and we also see it in the word for pregnant so this is where i started chinese specifically chinese writing is the key to all written language so I started with a friend, Maggie, who is an incredible woman. And we started just having conversations because I helped her with speech contests. She ended up winning, not in the beginning, all of them. But by the fifth one, she won over a million people and was the top rated person. And I think she won $3,000, which she then had to spend on everybody having dinner. But she helped me get two novels published in China. And then my other business partner, Xu Chao, we have published the world's first substructure search engine of Chinese writing, which will help everyone eventually study Chinese faster. Because there is a pattern in bias, and bias can help us learn language faster, understand ourselves better. And that is so important, Jennifer. And is there a way that we can connect? Like, how would you suggest that we connect so we can... Okay. So on my website is www.originofalphabet.com. And for those interested in Chinese, it's also www. 
H-A-N-Z-I Finder, HansaFinder.com. And the website for the Finger Puppets is www.fingerpuppetsrock.com. Well, Jennifer Ball, you rock. And I am so grateful to have you on Speaking of Travel. And I am just such a firm believer that coincidences don't happen. We were meant to be at that restaurant at that night in that space together you and your husband my cousins it was it was really a magical evening and and one i'll remember uh for my life so thank you Uh, so much for uh being here on speaking of travel and i look forward to connecting with you again soon thank you very much well thanks jennifer for being on speaking of travel hey did you know that many airports collaborate with local artists An airport gallery can provide a welcome respite, and it's a great way to get a feel for the area. And now, for the first time in over a year, local artists and musicians are being welcomed back to the Asheville Regional Airport as part of their Art in the Airport program. Coming up next is Tina Kinsey from the airport to fill us in on this exciting news. So stay tuned. Summertime is the perfect time to get out and explore North Carolina's Blue Ridge Mountains. Create your perfect vacation or staycation in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Not just for couples, RomanticAsheville.com Travel Guide covers a nearly 100-mile radius in and around Asheville, North Carolina. With idyllic weather, beautiful scenery, and a variety of safe and memorable adventures. Western North Carolina is the place to be. Visit RomanticAsheville.com today. Buongiorno, this is Mark Smith, President of Private Italy Tours LTD. We are now accepting fully refundable deposits for our October 5 through 16 tour of Puglia, the heel of Italy's so-called boot, and nearby Basilicata. We keep safety first, away from crowds, and enjoy open-air explorations of towns like Alberobello, home of Puglia's famed Trulli houses, Lecce, the so-called Florence of the South, and Matera, Basilicata's famed town of cave houses. We will share private boat excursions with our guests along the coasts near Gallipoli, and from the very tip of Italy at Santa Maria di Liuca. Fabulous wines and meals, private ensuite accommodations, and easy days are yours on this wonderful experiential journey. You will be based at just two locations during our tour, a gorgeous Pugliese winery and from a flawlessly restored 16th century castello. We still have some rooms available on this unforgettable journey, And we are also offering all six of our 2022 tours from Venice and Florence, Umbria and La Marche, to Italy's poetically beautiful lake region, to Sicily and the Amalfi Coast. Italy is yours with Private Italy Tours LTD. Private-Italy.com Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. 
I recently read an article about airports and how they're using art to create a sense of place and a welcome distraction for passengers waiting for their flights or waiting for their luggage or their rides. With these captive travelers, airports are the perfect venue for art installations and galleries. Many airports collaborate with local artists and their artwork reflects the culture of that particular area. And imagine how nice it is for employees at the airport. A gallery can provide a welcome respite from their usual routine. Well, here in Western North Carolina, the Asheville Regional Airport has always served as an ambassador of sorts for regional art and music. And now, for the first time in more than a year, local artists and musicians are being welcomed back to the airport as part of the Art in the Airport program. Alexandra Engel, brand and experience designer at the airport and curator of the gallery, is thrilled to have the art gallery open and the sounds of local musicians playing some welcoming tunes. She said, welcoming back these local makers allows travelers to experience a taste of our vibrant region. And here to tell us more about this exciting news is Tina Kinsey, Director of Marketing, PR, and Air Service Development at the Asheville Regional Airport. And Tina, this is some really great news. I'm excited. Yeah, we're we're excited that we're finally bringing back these beautiful parts of our region into the airport again. This new exhibit that's on display is incredibly vibrant very colorful, and it just fits the mood. Well, we love that mood. And I want to talk more about where the, I know that Alexandra is bringing in these local artists, and are they all from this region of Western North Carolina? Yes. So our program is built to be a place where local artists can be featured. And so you have to reside in one of our primary market 11 county areas in Western North Carolina in order to apply for consideration into one of our exhibits. And all of that information about how to apply and the rules, et cetera, are on our website. So it's a really easy process But it is a curated gallery, and we have uh, a member of our staff, our brand and experience designer, who has expertise in fine art. She has a degree in fine art, and so she does curate the exhibits. And this one, this one will just knock your socks off. It's really, like I said, colorful, uh, representative of Western North Carolina. You can see a lot of familiar imagery. I think when you go in, it just feels like Western North Carolina. So can people actually buy the artwork from the gallery? Yes. If the artist um, is willing to have the art for sale, that is indicated in the gallery, the price. um, And then we've got information there uh, so that those who are interested can contact us. We will broker that, um, that purchase. Uh, It's very easy. So, uh, you know, if you're going through the terminal and you walk through and you see something you can't live without, we can help you with that. Well, I just want to come over to the terminal and and take a a look. And I want to hear more about these local pianists who are playing there. You know, I remember coming and going from the Asheville Regional Airport and 
always just getting in this kind of vibe as I walked through the terminal because there was somebody playing the piano. What a welcome treat to have to have that music flowing again. Absolutely. And, you know, our baby grand is it, it's so sad when it sits there and it is hasn't been played. And we do have a music in the airport program and local musicians can apply to to be a part of that as well. And what we do is we try to find busy times and offer time slots. And right now we're only inviting instrumentalists because of the mask mandate that is in place in airports. That's a little difficult for singers to uh, perform, you know, when they would have to have a mask on. So we do have pianists who are playing weekly at the airport right now and really adds a just a nice a nice vibe in the terminal as you're going through security screening. And these are these are local musicians. So, you know, be sure to tip them when when you come by. Well, what a lovely way to utilize your space and what you have going on there and as a de-stressor because people you know you're getting to the airport there's lots going on you have to juggle a few things but you know in the background you've got this lovely music or you can step into this gallery and just be brought to this place that art takes you what a wonderful treat for our people who are flying in and flying out of the airport Yes, I agree. Uh, You know, we are from North Carolina's airport and we need to be a reflection of our community. And we think that these programs are a great way to do that. And Tina, tell us again how people can find out more about this on your website. Sure. So our website, website is flyavl.com. We have a section called Community Connections that you can go to and you'll see information about our art program and our music program, how to apply, and you can even just search music in the airport or art in the airport on our homepage and it'll take you right there. That's awesome. So Tina, you mentioned masks. Uh, You were talking about, you know, not having musicians right now who are singing because of the mask. The TSA is extending the face mask requirement. Let's talk a little bit about that. What is that going to mean uh, as people come in and out of the airports? Sure. So if you haven't traveled in a while, you may not know, but there is a federal mandate that inside airports and in public transit, including on airplanes, every person who enters an airport or boards an aircraft must have on a mask that covers your covers your nose and your mouth. It can't be the vented kind of mask. Uh, it does need to be, you know, a disposable or a cloth mask that goes all the way over the nose and mouth. And that mandate was set to expire in September, but because of the Delta variant and the uh, community spread that is occurring, that mandate has been extended until January. So, you know, just keep those masks handy. We're just going to keep on keeping on for a little while longer. Well, I always seem to have either 10 or none. And then I have to go, (laughs) oh, no, where did I put my mask? It's always like feast or famine there. If you come to the airport, we've got you covered. You just come to our guest services desk and we've got complimentary masks there for anyone who needs them. Oh, well, that's definitely good to know. And I just want to also say that you have, uh, you know, hand sanitizer and and clean 
surfaces and all of those things that you've been practicing and utilizing since the very beginning, almost like 18 months back now. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, those those are great measures to have in place. And I think they're here to stay. And so you, there is no shortage of a way to wash your hands or grab a mask or travel safely when you're at actual regional airport. Well, I was just telling somebody the other day that I think being in an airport or being on the plane could be one of the safest places to be right now. <laughs> just <laughs> with all the with all the protocols and procedures in place to keep everybody safe. So big shout out to you and your team. And Tina, tell us again how people can get more information and especially get signed up for your newsletter. Sure. Visit us at flyavl.com. Our monthly e-newsletter is called Window Seat. And right on our homepage is a spot where you can just put your email in and sign up and then you'll start to receive that newsletter. Well, Tina, thank you so much for being on Speaking of Travel this week. And congratulations to to your team also on having this wonderful gallery open again. And I can't wait to come and listen to some of those tunes. Great. Well, we'll we'll welcome you when you come. All right. Well, thanks, Tina. And thanks to Jennifer for being on Speaking of Travel this week. Every week, it seems I've become increasingly more aware of how easy it is to fall down that rabbit hole known as fear. We certainly do need to stay on top of what's happening out there in the world, but we also need to remember what then-President Obama said in a speech to the United Nations. We choose hope over fear. We see the future not as something out of our control, but as something we can shape for the better through concerted and collective effort. We reject fatalism or cynicism when it comes to human affairs. We choose to work for the world as it should be, as our children deserve it to be. We can all make progress toward being more positive and reset our minds to hope instead of fear. It all starts with you and with me. Together, we can make a conscious decision to take a more positive and effective course of action to stay positive in the face of uncertainty. Because remember, life is short. Don't postpone joy. Joy.